soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or be with her. And obviously the context is sexually. Verse 11. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See... He has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master, that is Potiphar, heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison, Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. What a fascinating chapter in the Bible because in the midst of great afflictions and injustices, we see this man, this follower of the Lord, Joseph, prospering in this foreign land. And it is through Joseph's mishap and 
being betrayed by his brothers, by which God is going to bring to pass his divine sovereign plans. Joseph 17, God gives him the dreams of greatness where his brothers are bowing down to him, and then even his father's bowing down to him. God has expanded that dream. We talk about God's promises expanding, that God's constantly giving upgrades. Eternity is an upgrade with the glorified body. Our growing in the Lord Jesus Christ every year, if we keep growing, is an upgrade. More of Christ in you, the hope of glory, less of you, the fading glory. God's always producing by his spirit upgrades. And his revelation is from glory to glory. So in this affliction and this betrayal by Joseph's brothers who throw him in the pit and say this dreamer, they make fun of his dreams of glory. The best employee you could ever hire in the world on the planet at that time, they sell for 20 pieces of silver to Ishmaelite traders. The man who's going to run the most powerful kingdom in the world. The one who is a 17-year-old who showed up for work on time at Subway or Starbucks or Del Taco who did exactly what the manager said, cleaned up properly, closed properly, and could give him an account to the last penny of the resources that came and went. That Joseph, that Joseph is going to become the most powerful person in the world. And the expansion of the dreams, the visions and the dreams, are all in motion through afflictions, trials, and tribulations coming forth from malice and evil and envy and jealousy, but in God's divine purposes and plans, molding and shaping Joseph to be the person that could be entrusted with really being in charge of the world, if you will, because he'll go all the way to number two. He goes from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison to the palace, and every stop has a purpose in molding him and shaping him to become the person, the man, or we might say for ladies, the woman he's meant to be, to arrive at that destination in the palace that day and not be overwhelmed by the power of the signet ring of Pharaoh or underwhelmed by the circumstances, but to value the position, to have been ready for it and to step into it and get the job done for the saving of his brothers and his household, the nation of Israel in their most infant state of 70 people and the saving of Egypt and even the saving of foreign people from other places who had come to Egypt to benefit from his Ability to have divine dreams, interpret those dreams, and put application to them with the seven years of fruitfulness and the seven years of famine. That's where we're going here. And here we find early on in this journey, he's gone from the position of authority with his dad to the pit with his brothers to the house of Potiphar as a slave, a steward under his master, to the prison. So we're we're moving right along in this process to get him ready to be in charge of all things and to be so in such a way that he can handle it faithfully and fruitfully for the Lord. It is really, truly all about character. It really is about being transformed from glory to glory by the Holy Spirit in our lives, that work of the Holy Spirit, that sanctifying work. The greatness that God wants to do is within all of us by the transforming work of the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus in our character and the experiences that we go through in life, the ones we embrace, that we like, the ones that are arduous and difficult that we don't like, but all things working together for good to make us like Christ. Not just to fulfill his purposes in this timeline of our generation, but to prepare us for his purposes for all eternity. There's so much more, as we've been saying, and it's such a bigger picture. So as we find him now, he's not the 17-year-old in his dad's house. Here's a very interesting phrase. Did you catch it? It says here in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. He's grown up. Those of you that adult children, you understand this. 
Danny Foster, who used to go here, of course, and lives in Boise. I was talking to Jeremy this week, and Danny's going to graduate from Boise State in May. He's going in the Navy. He's going to teach nuclear physics to people who drive submarines with nuclear power and weapons, I suppose. It's really smart stuff. Or as they say, it's beyond my pay grade. I'm actually praying about going up there to see his graduation. And if I don't go personally, my prayers certainly will. But Danny Foster doesn't look like the little kid that used to be around here, even when he's in high school. At last year, he's playing soccer for Calvary Chapel High School. He's still 17-year-old Danny like Joseph in the Promised Land. But I guarantee you, we see Danny Foster graduating Boise State. He's a man. He looks like a man. And Joseph's a man. He's become a man. And he's not just any kind of man. He's a successful man. Ladies, that's who you want to marry, right? A successful man. That's who you want your daughters to marry, a successful man. But we don't define success in the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by people that can make lots of money and provide practically, which, of course, certainly helps. But success by men who are spirit-led so they can spirit-lead. That's the kind of men we want our daughters to date or to be courted by, which, praise the Lord, in my case, we're two for two, which means we won the lottery, and we're blessed with that. Successful man. And his success is revealed to us as we go forward in this chapter because of the character of who he is. But we see also even the macro picture of his success is told for us right here. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. He's a young man now. We know he's handsome. He's, not, he's a good-looking young man. I mean, man, if he was in the military, oh, he'd look like one of the fiddle boys at Air Force Academy, right? Just good-looking. I just, wow, just good-looking, like, man. That's what I'm talking about right there. When Timmy was in his, I'd see Timmy at Cal Maritime. He had to wear a uniform all four years at the academy up there in Cal State Maritime. And when I'd see him in his uniform, especially when he was like a junior, I was like, man, look at Timmy. Like, his graduation is just, Wow. He's like, wow, Timmy, you're handsome. And that's Joseph. And the Lord is with him. So he doesn't just look, he's not just strong, like in the prime of his youth, a good-looking young man. But he's also a spirit-filled man. He's a godly man. He believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we know that he serves that God. We know that that God speaks to him in dreams like he did to his father Jacob spoke in dreams. Remember Jacob's ladder? He's the key in this equation. And he's a godly man, he's a handsome man, and he's a grown man. The Lord is with him. He's a successful man. This whole chapter is about him being faithful and fruitful. We say bloom where you plant it, and he really is blooming and growing in every situation. These are progressive situations. It's like he's away at college, and first he's getting his bachelor's degree this way, and then he's working on a master's, and he's getting a doctorate in the prison. But in every place he goes, he is so fruitful and so successful and prosperous with the Lord, no one even checks the books on what he's doing. They don't even check the books. He served the bread to Potiphar, and Potiphar's all is good in the universe because Joseph's running the estate and the trust. And the prison keeper, I mean, there's a lot at stake when you run a prison, by the way, right? One prisoner escapes, it's really bad for the keeper. But, hey, Joseph's here? I don't even ask Joseph. Like, 
For those of you people that hire and fire employees, which I know many of you do in this room, this, when you get this interview, like, that guy, we're hiring him right now. We're hiring her right now. This is that person. He's so faithful and fruitful. Faithful and fruitful. With Potiphar, let's look at him with these three different key people in this story. Because he's with Potiphar, then he's with Potiphar's wife, and then he's with the prison keeper. The keeper of the prison. And we see his faithfulness in each of these three relationships with superiors and... Uh, Yeah, because Potiphar's wife has to be considered superior as well in his world. With Potiphar, I mean, verse 3 through verse 5 is just like you want this to read about your life at the end of your life. The Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. What a description for our lives, that the Lord is with us and all that we do would prosper in our hand. Then verse 4 says it, to found favor in his sight and serve him. When God just makes you shine for your superiors and they love who you are, what you're about, and what you're doing. And then that stewardship of overseer over all the house and all that he put under his authority, where the owner of the company so trusts you that you open and close and you can do the books and you're able to handle the petty cash or the checkbooks and all these things. When I first went into ministry, Geller Tohill, who's now with the Lord, was the associate pastor at Calvary Vista. And he taught me a lot about finances because he was a very successful businessman before he ever was an associate pastor for Brian Broderson. But he said, Joey, know this. Whoever signs the checks is the ultimate authority. Joseph signed the checks. Joseph signed the checks in Potiphar's house. He, he, just one signature required. Joseph signs the checks. And by the way, with Pharaoh's ring, he's just going to go like that. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be like signing the check. He's got like a stamp to stamp the check with. Like, here's my signature. Now, fill those weed houses with all that grain. Incredible faithfulness. Now, we're told in Colossians that whatever we do, we're to do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men knowing that we will receive our reward from the Lord. And if I look at any biblical example of someone who did this, it has to be Joseph. Because in the end, Joseph is doing this unto the Lord. How do we know that? Well, obviously the Lord's with him and prospering him, giving him favor and advancing in rank and authority and all those things. But he said, when Potiphar's wife came after him, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against the Lord? So for potential moral character failure, he saw it as being against the Lord. Therefore, for proper moral integrity, uprightness is for the Lord. If doing wrong is against the Lord, then doing right is for the Lord. And he did all things well as unto the Lord. In a very difficult environment, starting all over, No family, no friends, stripped of everything. And he just embraced that opportunity and he didn't change who he was. He just became a man version of what he was as a senior high school version working for his dad. He became the better version, the grown up version, without his dad. He did it as unto the Lord. And herein is such a key for us about blooming and growing wherever planted. If we do things as unto the Lord, and we can remind ourselves of that, because some things are very difficult to do at work. 
or in the family or in taking care of elderly parents or raising children and, or raising adult children and having to deal with sticky business with adult children. But if we do things as unto the Lord, his word doesn't change. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. His word is a compass and it does not change with the shadow of turning of different societies and generations. It's a plumb line that will never change and Jesus is the cornerstone and when he's building the building and the cornerstone and the plumb line, it's going to go fine. He doesn't change. There's no, there's no shadow of turning from the father of lights. And Joseph is serving the Lord. And he's doing the right things. And God's going to always honor the right things. So our whole environment can radically change in one day. But the external environment should not change who we are internally. And I go back to 25 years ago, that pastor from Florida back in the day, when I was going to Vermont, I was so nervous about moving to Vermont. And Bob Coy and Gail Irwin the same day, Bob Coy, first of all, said, Joey, I think it's great that you're going for it. You need to just go for it. God will honor going for it. And it's the steps of faith that matter. And I just remember, like, I was so, like, I'm leaving everything I know to go to everything I don't know. And Bob Coy's like, we're called to live by faith. You cannot go wrong living by faith. But in my case, it was a choice. It was not a choice for Joseph. In some of, you, some of your lives, it's a step of faith by choice. But in some cases, you get changed. It's not your choice. It's been forced on you by family or the courts or there's politics or social environment or the higher powers in your workplace. There's different things. Or life itself. And then it was Gil Irwin who said to me, after Bob Coy told me that, that God's will is not where you are, but who you are. And those two words on that day at that conference at Merritt Island, Florida, so comforted me and encouraged me in January of 1995 that, okay, I can take steps of faith and I can know God's will by letting him work in my life through these experiences and we'll be okay. And we were and we grew. This is part of my journey, like you have things that are part of your journey. Just, it's all a journey to produce more of Christ in our life. Whatever we do, we want to do it heartily as unto the Lord. We want to bring the blessing wherever we go. He was a blessing. God wants you to be a blessing. He wants me to be a blessing wherever we go. Every family situation, as complex as the dynamics might be, he wants you to be the blessing. Every workplace situation and the, the messiness that it brings, he wants you to be the blessing. Every social challenge in any society, he wants you to be the blessing. And everything that will ever happen in our timeline while you're alive, he wants us to be the blessing. We embrace it. We walk in the room. The room tilts, not because we're some superstar athlete or famous person. It tilts because the blessings are so heavy upon our life. We tilt the room with the power and the presence and the equity of the Holy Spirit. We bring the blessings. And Joseph brought the blessings, even as his dad Jacob brought the blessings in Laban's house. Even as his grandfather Isaac brought the blessings to all Canaan when 
Philco and those guys said, let's make a covenant because we see that God is with you and you're prospering you. You see, we want to bring the blessings in our marriage. We want to bring the blessings to our children. We want our children to perpetuate the blessings and our grandchildren to perpetuate the blessings. So we just keep producing generations of people who bless and make things better than they were because we're bringing the Holy Spirit and the presence of Christ into that environment even if you've been sold into slavery and are suffering great injustices. The second thing we see, okay, so with Potiphar, he just brought the blessings. He was the real deal with the Lord. He was just a blessing. His presence, it was the Lord. It's a spirit-filled man, and whatever he did, he did it as unto the Lord. Now, with Potiphar's wife, this is the tough stuff because this is the character test. He resisted temptation. He resisted temptation. The Bible tells us in the book of James that blessed is the man who resists temptation. Or we could say blessed is the woman who resists temptation. We're all tempted. We're told in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us this day from evil. And I tend to pray every day that God would protect me in his armor, that he would deliver me from evil, that I would recognize it, and that I would draw near to the Lord in temptation. The Lord tempts no one. Things are a test. We should not confuse the two. Every temptation of the devil for evil is a test of the Lord for good. It's all a test. And we are told, again, in James, that we're to resist the devil and submit ourselves to the Lord. We're to humble ourselves. And the devil has to flee. That sounds easy enough, but it's not easy, is it? We're also told that no temptation has overtaken us, but such is common to man. And God, who is faithful, will provide the way of escape. But maybe you're like me, where you're like going, I'm feeling the temptation, but I'm not seeing the escape route. But God is faithful. He'll never give us more than we can handle without his assistance. He'll give us more than we can handle in our flesh. That will be forced to handle it in total dependency upon him by his spirit. But he provides the way of escape. We're also told to flee youthful lust. And literally, I mean, you talk about taking it literally. Joseph is literally fleeing youthful lust. And what you have to really appreciate about Joseph here. Now, think about Daniel and Babylon. There in chapter 1 of Daniel, we're told when he was taken away captive to Babylon, oh, 1,500 years after this, long time after this. But again, a Jew in a faraway land. It says that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. That he just purposed that whatever happened, he wasn't going to compromise or change his moral standard in regards to how he carried himself when he's away at UC Babylon. And you eat this food, you talk this language, you do all these things. They're trying to change him totally culturally, externally, but they never changed who he was. And then Meshach, Sagar, and Abednego, his buddies... We see a similar situation there in chapter 3 when they refused to bow down to the golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar where they, just, they were just never going to do that. They were never, ever, ever. It was a line they were never going to cross. It's just a line they were never going to cross. There are lines that we can draw that we just say we're never going to cross that line. And some of us do a really good job with that. There are other lines we say, I'm not going to cross that line, but then we kind of put our foot like, like this on the line, and then all of a sudden we get pulled in. You know, something very interesting talking to my sister. She's, as many of you know, the story of my sister 
And it's a very inspiring story to a lot of people. But this, eight days ago, she had all of her criminal records against her reduced from felonies to misdemeanors and completely expunged by the courts, which was more than she was hoping for. And uh, it's the first time she had to go to court without my mom by her side. So that was a big one at Calvary, excuse me, at the Vista Court. So that was big. And uh, the day before, she was with me up here. We were setting up all of our new banking, you know, to be more functional in society. Hey, online banking, wow, what a concept, right? And here's a checking account, a savings account, and here's your, you know, this stuff. And it's really cool. It was great. Well, then, after seven years of not driving and having some DUIs and going to DUI school for over, like a year and a half, she got her license restored. So Barbie's coming up Monday to pick up Dad's car, and it's her car now, which is really cool. But... In talking with my sister that day we did her banking a week ago Thursday, she said something to me that, you know, because she's been really opening up about a lot of stuff, and we've always been close. Barbie and I have always been very, very tight. But she said that the beginning of her downfall to end up homeless was just smoking weed. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.